Hello! A quick note from Editing Beth here. First of all, we just wanted to say welcome back. It's been a hot minute. Obviously, the strike has come to an end, which is fantastic news for everyone involved. And it also means that we get to start releasing episodes again. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. I hope that it was worth the wait. And I know that in our little strike intermission announcement, we said that we were going to do some other content. When I say we fucking tried... (laughs) But unfortunately, sometimes when it rains, it pours and we just did not get to releasing it. We have actually recorded some bonus content, so we might end up releasing it at some point. But at the minute, we're just going to focus on getting back into our usual flow. So hopefully uh, you guys enjoy. And without further ado, here's the episode. Okie dokies. Jamie, we're about to start the finale. How are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling. You're feeling? Yeah. (laughs) I'm feeling. Any last words? Rip. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. The road so far. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> I forgot this bullshit was how they started every fucking finale. Oh. Unfortunately, not our last. This Carry On Wayward Son hits hard. Rip Zacky boy. That's right. Chuck is there. John coded the fucking green cooler. Important cameo. Dean's thing. <laughs> Fuck yeah. She got it. It's a finale miracle. Dean and Flood Jugs. Fucking Detroit. Someone in props had way too much fun making those. <laughs> oh, that's where that's carved into. Just fucking push him in. <laughs> no fucking sympathy from Jamie. <laughs> Just fucking push him in. They're evil and can cahoots together. He's trying to activate the daddy issues in you. <laughs> Plot twist, he's actually possessed by Gabe. <laughs> With some choice like this, honestly. Not out of the room, really. <laughs> They literally fucking explode. Cassia was not on my bucket list. <laughs> Oopsie dipsies. Noah's not gonna be happy. Damn, prosthetics really did him dirty, didn't they? Good. Otherwise, Noah would have. I was gonna say it. Noah was on the money. <laughs> Bobby stayed dead, dead though. What's the bet? He would rage quit. <laughs> and you know what? Respect. Brothers, plural. <laughs> Look on your face is delight. I recognize the hair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shall we go into the actual discussion? Yeah. All right. Okay, <laughs> here we go. The end of an era. Oh, Are you, do you feel journey. prepared for this? No, not at all. Well, then I guess there's nothing to do but start. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shot my cake hole. And today we are going to be discussing the 22nd episode of the fifth season of Supernatural, the finale of Kripke era, Swan Song. Jamie... What did you think? <laughs> okay, so I think on behalf of it being the last one of an era, mm-hmm. what do you think my PSA is going to be this week? Oh, Jesus Christ. This I feel the, like if I don't do it first up, I will forget about this it. This is the furthest thing from my mind right now. Oh, fuck me. Let me look at my notes. Okay, mm-hmm. my PSA guess is actually just a quote from Cass. Okay. Which is, you don't have to be mean. Not my PSA this week. <laughs> my PSA this week is... Be careful around sinkholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that technically in the show it's not a sinkhole. It is in fact a gate <laughs> to a cage. But, you know, when you're around ground that unstable, if you stand too close to the edge, you can fall in and get seriously hurt. You can. <laughs> you would think of that. <laughs> you would look at that scene and be like, oh, yeah, sinkhole safety. Better jot that down. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> can't argue with that. And that's it. That's the episode. That's it, actually. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) 
else you might want to mention about today's episode? <laughs> okay, I'm going to be obnoxious on Maine for a minute because Nothing I new. just did fully lay out at the end of our <laughs> bonus episode with Noah. I fucking laid out the exact entire... finale. I know. I just sat there with a straight face. I was like, hmm, this is seriously what I think is going to happen. And then you just said the plot. And then I basically just read out the fucking episode <laughs> description. Genuinely. Despite the fact I was very much not reading out the episode description. I was just sitting there going, tag your spoilers, Jamie. Poor Noah has no idea what's about to happen. And you're just out here telling him the whole fucking plot. Like, I was sitting there going, how the fuck? How the fuck? Like, if I asked someone who had seen... If I asked August, KJ, Ben, mm. Hannah, Elena anyone who has actually seen this motherfucking show to be like hey could you describe the plot of swan song to me please they probably wouldn't have gotten as many things out as you did and you hadn't even fucking seen i don't know how you do it genuinely like it sounded like you know at the beginning of queering things episodes and they do the episode recap. the 30 second recap yeah that's literally that would have been such a good 30 second recap i don't know how you did it i don't either <laughs> Like, it was so specific. Mm. I think it does actually tie directly into my problem with this finale. Mm, okay. So, the massive problem that I have with this finale You only is, have one? I've got multiple. My most egregious problem that I have with this finale, one, it was over, underwhelming. But that's, I feel like that's more like a culmination. Like, it feels underwhelming because of all of these other issues. The issue that I really take to it is the fact that I could guess the entire fucking plot in advance. You know, like, I'm always like, they're going to take the stupidest route out. Here's the thing, though. I do disagree. I actually like the fact that you can be like, actually, this is how it's going to end. This is, like, some stuff, I think Noah actually said, like, oh, I think Bobby's going to die, but not fully. Like, I think he's just going to be dead for a bit. And I was like, how the fuck? Psychic Noah is in the building. Like, how? That is so specific. And, like, that is the kind of thing that you can, like, say. And it's like, okay, but you have no reason, like, to guess that. But the fact that you could generally understand this is the plot, this is the structure, this is where the characters are likely going to end up based on what they've shown us. Like, you cited the fact that they keep bringing up Lisa. And yeah. you're like, okay, so Dean's probably going to end up with Lisa. And I'm like, yeah. And this is not a complaint, I suppose, but it is something that I've noticed as a trend in media, particularly in like the, maybe the last five years especially, is this concept of like, we can't let the audience know what's going to happen before it happens. Like, we have to pull some fucking plot twist out of our asses that there is no way you could possibly foresee. We have to shock them. We have to... And it's like, sometimes the narrative could just make sense. And, and that's okay. I am glad that the narrative does make sense. Yeah. What I'm more so underwhelmed by and what I'm more so kind of annoyed by is the fact that it's like, there wasn't a single thing in the finale that felt finale-like about mm -hmm. it. Like, it all just felt very much like, oh, this is just a regular episode of Supernatural. Like, it, yes, I agree that it's really great that they've built it into that you can sort of at least vaguely see what's coming. Mm -hmm. But I think what was underwhelming for me is, like, we didn't even have a single character who deceived us. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a single thing that was even vaguely, like... like a red herring. A red or... herring or anything like that. It was very much just, like, they're going to jump in the hole... Do you know what is fun, though, is that in the end, the power of love. <laughs> so it was kind of a combination of family therapy. Yeah. And Here's the thing. 
I agree. I think personally that the season five finale is a little underwhelming, but I think I have different reasoning. My reasoning is that it feels very monotonous. I don't think that there is a lot of moments in the episode that create any variation in pacing. There's none of the traditional epic highs and lows of Supernatural. No, it just, it's very consistent. And I kind of mean that in a derogatory way. I think one of the only times that we really break up the pacing is obviously we have the cuts in and out where Chuck is narrating mm-hmm. about the Impala and, and Seventeen growing up. And I honestly do like those segments. I like that kind of flow on through the episode. I like that we get it in segments. I actually quite enjoy that as a concept and how it was executed. Mm-hmm. What I don't love is the fact that outside of that and maybe the montage where Sam does have that moment where he manages to take autonomy back from Lucifer. Outside of those two things, the rest of the episode is just very slow and very monotonous. Like, it's just Mm. a lot of dialogue. There's no ups and downs. Maybe you could say that when Sam is in the car and he makes Dean promise that he's not going to, like, try and get him out. Maybe you could say that because Sam, like, raises his voice a bit. But, like, really, other than that, Everything is just very much like slow conversations. I think the key thing for me is just the reason why I'm like, I don't think this fits with this episode is because as a result of that narration that you've got going by Chuck the entire time, Hmm. like the only reason they seem to be doing that is to remind the audience that Chuck is the prophet. So that when Dean rings Chuck to be like, "Mm, where's the showdown going down? They remember that Chuck exists. So they're not surprised that Dean's ringing Chuck. But For me, what it does is it makes everything else feel like a piece of fan fiction. It makes me question, like, the legitimacy of what we're actually seeing on screen. Which part? The part that Sam and Dean are in or the part that Chuck is narrating? All of it. Because the issue is you have the narration from Chuck, so you're reminded, this is a story, Chuck is writing it. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, is what we're actually seeing on screen what actually happened? Or is that just the version that Chuck is writing? because they're not necessarily the same things and i think for a finale you want to know that what's happening is what's actually happening i have never found that personally Mm -hmm. i and i i do disagree a little bit because i don't think that the purpose of having chuck narrating it is to like remind you that chuck is there i think that there is no other character that could have done that no i just don't think it should have been narrated I don't understand how you could include that facet of the episode without having the narration because the whole point of that sort of story about, you know, how baby like came off the production Mm -hmm. line and all of the little bits that made her, her through like Sam and Dean was kids and stuff. Like the purpose of that to me is to highlight the importance of Sam and Dean on each other and the way that they grew up and the way that that bound them and the shared experiences that they have. And ultimately, it's being reminded of that, which is how Sam breaks through Lucifer. Mm. So I don't think it has anything to do with Chuck. Mm. Like, I think that he is just the mouthpiece through which that part of the story is being told. And I don't think there's really an effective way they could have told that without just doing more montage. And we already get a fair bit of montage in this episode. So much montage in this episode. And also, the montage without the narration probably wouldn't have made that much sense. Other than, like, we do get montage in this episode that doesn't have narration, but it's all stuff that we as the audience have seen mm-hmm. as part of the show. And we also understand the importance of it because we've just had montage with voiceover. Yeah, exactly. So I actually really like having the three line mm-hmm. of Chuck and the montage. I like learning about Baby and the origins. I like learning that her first owner 
was this guy who handed out Bibles. And surprisingly, John Conan. Yeah. And, you know, who was getting folks ready for Judgment Day. You know, I like that she ended up at Rainbow Motors. Like, really? (laughs) Side eyes there. You know, like, I enjoy that we get that bit of background. I enjoy that we get that every time we've watched Dean rebuild Baby from the ground up, he's kept the Lego bricks and he's kept a little army man and he's not replaced the part where he and Sam carved their initials into the wood because he could have he could have replaced it and like turned her like mint condition but he didn't that sentimentality ultimately like that connection to family and those shared experiences that's what allows them to I mean I guess not come out on top it's quite a bittersweet sort of situation that they end up in but you know it's what allows Lucifer to be taken down in the end and Michael for that matter my issue is not with that sentimental. Like I understand the narrative purpose it plays. My issue is more and more so in the fact for me it makes it feel less legitimate. If that makes sense, it makes it feel like there's less stakes because it feels like a nice story that Chuck's writing with a happy mm. ending and less like an actual yeah. ending. If that makes sense, and maybe that was intentional, but like given what I know of like the metatextual surrounding it, I don't know if it necessarily is. I actually think that's a really interesting point you raise because you're right. Like when Chuck finishes writing, like he looks happy and satisfied with the ending that he's created. Like he smiles before he disappears. And I think it goes without saying that this is where the uh, Chuck is God question mark. uh, Fanon really took off running because at this point we could be like, hang on a fucking second and go back. And then a lot of the jokes that we've made Mm. up until this point, you know, oh, I lost my virginity. And then she went around telling everyone I didn't count like these things all kind of add up especially Mm. with this context but yeah I understand what you're saying because Chuck at the end of the day is writing this piece and it kind of feels like a fluff piece and then you look at the reality of Sam and Dean and they're fucking suffering and it is that removal of the author from the reality of the character's struggle and the other thing is it's not soundtracked the way a normal episode of Supernatural is soundtracked I don't know if you noticed this, but I certainly noticed it. And we're going to play the tape here of Jamie (laughs) for the first time in her Supernatural podcasting career, recognizing (laughs) Dean's theme in real time. And I am so proud. What a moment. But basically, like, you know, Dean's theme notwithstanding, there is no background music really in this episode. Compared to a normal episode of Supernatural, they were very, very minimal with the sound design. The music choices were very pointed. Yes. Like, if there was music, it was for a purpose. purpose. Which means for me, like, the combination of the fact that the scenes that we get of Dean and Sam don't feel like a normal episode of Supernatural, and then you've also got to undercut with the fact that, no, this is the story as narrated by Chuck. Mm. It just removed some of the gravity of what was actually happening when we were seeing it. Because it doesn't feel the same as the the normal show that we've come to know as, you know, the truth, quote-unquote. It's like, well, then either what we've been seeing on the TV screen is not the actual story, or what we're seeing here is not the actual story. But because this is also getting narrated by Chuck, it feels more like this is not the actual story, and that Chuck is writing some sort of fluff piece. I think that's you kind of have Mm. to view the two sections separately. So I think what we see happening with Sam and Dean and Lucifer and Michael, I think that that is in canon what happened. Like Mm -hmm. that is the reality of the situation for the characters. But then that's undercut by the ending scene and the fact that we've got 
Sam lurking outside under a light, despite the fact Sam is meant to be in a cage in hell. We'll get there. (laughs) I think that what we see happen with Sam and Dean is what happened. That is the actual reality that those characters face. That is what happened to them. What Chuck is writing, there is truth in, but it's rose-tinted glasses. Like, he is putting a spin on it because he's trying to write a nice narrative. And he even vocalizes in the episode, endings are hard. Like, you know, you're trying to tie up all these loose ends. All the fans will always find something to bitch about. <laughs> like, And it's so funny because it feels a lot like the supernatural writers trying to justify the bullshit they've just pulled <laughs> out of their ass. The way that this is the Apollo dodgeball meme. <laughs> it's, yeah, so he, he makes the point, like, endings are impossible. And I think that the way that Chuck, because if, if we go with Chuck is God, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's safe to say we can say that at this, at this point, point. Chuck is God. Chuck likes the story the way it's played out. Like he seems happy with it as he vanishes into thin air. Like he's got his little smile, he's got his drink, whatever. Regardless of what actually happened, the narrative that Chuck has created around it, he is satisfied with. It's almost like um, if you want to look back at 509 and like the way that the fans of the Supernatural books are romanticizing this lifestyle and Sam and Dean are like, why the fuck would you want to live this life? And it, that's that separation. Mm. It's like the idea of the lifestyle versus the reality mm. of the lifestyle. And yeah, like Chuck is romanticizing it for an audience. Mm-hmm. And I think that, yeah, you kind of have to view them through separate lenses. It feels very mellowed out. The scenes that we get feel way more mellowed out than the scenes in Supernatural normally feel. And I think that's a combination of like the directing choices they made, the lighting choices, the you know the sound design choices they made, the dialogue. Like it all just feels softer for some reason. I honestly think that some of it might just be like by the time that they're getting to this episode, they're so fucking downtrodden. Then Sam says yes and it all goes to hell and like... I was going to say going to hell in a handbasket, <laughs> I mean that's not really how it went. We get Dean, you know, saying to Cass and to Bobby, like, come on, like, what do we do now? And they're like, fucking, I don't know, man. Like, it's run its course. Like, shit's gone down. And, like, what else is there to do? That like, was the plan. It didn't work. Yeah. And what <laughs> so is, jot that down. <laughs> yeah, literally. And what is so interesting is, like, we immediately get Cass being like, well, I suggest we go and buy copious quantities of alcohol. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes. Drug addict Cass, here we go again. He returns. He returns. But... Yeah, like, I think that it is a sense of just, like, they have kind of become resigned, you know? And I think that, honestly, like, if I had to give a vibe for this episode, resignation would be it. (laughs) But unfortunately, that doesn't really translate fantastically to a really engaging piece of Mm -hmm. television. Like, I understand, like, this is where the characters are at, but it's also, like... This is the finale... Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be that tumultuous, climactic moment, and it's just kind of like you know what it two feels bros like? standing in a field talking at each other. Like, all right, it feels you know like so. Season five had actually done a pretty good job of like slowly building the tension over the season, mm-hmm. and then like last week I was like, oh, it feels like they broke the tension for some reason. Yeah, this episode just broke it again. They didn't pick it back up. They didn't pick it back up. So it, it it's about the pacing. It's about the pacing of the season. Like, I understand that where the characters are at, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense to have... A high energy. A high energy. But it's also, like, 
You're going against the fucking devil, dude. Maybe bring some energy into that. Perchance. Some energy. There are things that I really like about this episode. Mm -hmm. I think there are some things that are very, like, emotional. I think there are some good tie-ins. I think there are some funny moments. Mm -hmm. But when it all comes down to it, it is not the most engaging episode. And I think that that is so annoying. Like, it's very lackluster. And this this is probably an unpopular opinion. And if you disagree with me, I mean, you are more than entitled to your opinion. I'm aware that I'm probably a minority in this opinion. But... I am not a person who thinks that Supernatural should have ended at Kripke era, largely because of this finale. I don't think it is satisfying. I think that it kind of is a bit lackluster. And I mean, obviously, it it would have been different if they weren't planning to open into season Mm -hmm. six. But like, I stand by that assessment. Like, here's the thing. Some of the things I can point out and be like, yes, I can see why this is less satisfying than like a show's finale should be. Like the Sam lurking underneath the <laughs> fucking street lamp thing, which we will get back to. Yeah. But there's also things that I'm like, I don't think in any universe this is a satisfying ending for the character. Yeah, for any of them. Like, one of the things that you mentioned when we were talking with Noah is like, the worst case scenario for Bobby is he loses his boys, as in Sam, who is now mm-hmm. in the pit and unreachable, theoretically, except he's <laughs> standing outside Dean and Lisa's house. And Dean breaks contact, which is exactly what happens. Cass, for some fucking reason, decides that he's going to go back to heaven now. Mm-hmm. Dean goes to live with Lisa, which makes sense based on the narrative they've told us, but also we have talked to death about the fact that like Lisa is an ideology. And he, he likes the have, idea of her. He likes the idea of her, but like I just don't see how he likes the idea of her enough to cut off contact with Bobby. This is the other thing, right? Do you remember in 310 when we saw Lisa and the picnic in the dream yeah. and I said that this is going to be fundamental to Sam's understanding of Dean moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Sam saw that. That is the most that Sam has interacted with Lisa mm-hmm. since the kids are all right. And even in that episode, he barely interacted with her. In fact, I can't think of a scene they had together. And now in this episode, Sam is like, go find Lisa live that apple pie life. And like, yeah, Sam knows that Dean's gone and seen her a couple of times or whatever, but like, it's literally Dean went to Lisa because Sam asked him to. Mm -hmm. He didn't go to Lisa because he was like, wow, finally I can live my dream life with Lisa who I've always loved and always wanted. Like, no, he went to Lisa because Sam made him fucking promise he would. Yeah. Like, he's not gone to Lisa for Lisa. He's not even gone to Lisa for himself. He's gone to Lisa because that was Sam's dying wish for him. Mm -hmm. And this is why... I do not like this ending for Dean, but I am team Lisa because I think... It's not on Lisa that this bullshit is happening. Like, it's not her fault. And then obviously Sam ends up in the cage. So, Mm -hmm. like, nothing good for anyone, Mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, and I understand, like, a bittersweet ending, but, like, I don't know. It just, it's like, oh, we're going to fuck over every single character but Dean, but also we're kind of low-key fucking over Dean because as much as, like... We've talked to death on this mm-hmm. podcast about how Dean's entire driving force is he wants a family. Yeah. They've now, I, I would almost call it character assassination because they've now chose him having a quote-unquote normal family and they've had him choose prioritizing the quote-unquote normal family over the family that he has. Yeah. Because whatever you want to say, at the end of the day, Bobby is the family that he has. Mm-hmm. And he has just chosen... This one random lady and her kid 
Like, over Bobby, who fucking raised him, basically. Literally, like, they say this is the last dinner Bobby are going to see of each other for a while. And I'm like, why? why? It was an inherently more satisfying ending until you told me that he doesn't fucking see Bobby again. Mm-hmm. Like, why not? Why can't Bobby meet Lisa and Ben? Why can't Bobby come round for a cuppa? Like, it's fine. Yeah, have him round for Sunday roast. Like, like I don't understand why... It was necessary to specify that, oh, yeah, no, Bobby's not seeing him again for a while. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. A while is up for interpretation. Mm -hmm. A while could be a couple of weeks. A while could be three years. You don't fucking know. Regardless, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It Honestly, here's the other thing about it is it feels so heteronormative. Mm -hmm. They really said, let's take away the found family trope and we'll just put him in a picket white fence scenario with a pre-made wife and child. It was a choice. I don't know, man. Like, the thing is, there are things about this episode that I really like. It doesn't feel like a finale. No. Like, it feels like a season finale, maybe. Mm -hmm. Does not feel like a series finale. Personally, for me, the way the finale ends feels to me like Chuck is manipulating it. For me, this would make sense if it was meant to be framed as like, Oh no, the story's not really over because Chuck's just decided that like manipulating it is fun. Mm. So he's going to continue manipulating it. But the issue is I don't think that's what they're trying to do with it. Do you know what's really funny is that's not how it feels for me. For me, it feels like the way that they show Chuck disappearing is it's like, like Chuck's actually done now. Like we've had the quote unquote apocalypse, like Lucifer and Michael are in the cage. Dean's living his apple pie life. I'm satisfied with this ending. I'm going to know Pat. Like, I'm just going to go fuck around with some other universe and see what happens. You know, like, to me, it feels like Chuck's like, all right. I've had my fun in that one for a while. Yeah. To me, it feels like actually Chuck is leaving things to just go unchecked for a bit. Almost like, do you ever do that thing when you're a kid and you might like be playing The Sims or something and you just leave it alone on fast forward mode and you come back in an hour just to kind of see what had happened? Like, that kind of feels like, like what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, well, we finished that bit. We finished the bit I care about. Now I'm just going to see what happens. I understand why they chose to do it like they did it, but, like, I also don't necessarily like it. Like, I think that's the key. Like, I'm like, there's just something about the choice that feels off. I think the thing for me is, and this will come back up when we talk about the actual finale of the show, is that I don't have a problem with bittersweet endings. Mm. And I don't really have a problem with sad endings per se, but the issue I take with Supernatural specifically having a bittersweet or a sad ending is that the whole show is about struggle. Mm -hmm. The entire premise is about how much these characters fucking struggle every motherfucking day with every choice they make, with every little thing they struggle. And it just feels like, like for what? Like why are they fighting so hard to save the world? Okay, but they don't even get to enjoy it? Like, come on. It just feels unfair and like obviously like life isn't fair blah 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 but it's like for fuck like let them have something anything let them be happy for five minutes it's not gonna kill them if we got like a five years later kind of epilogue moment maybe Mm -hmm. and like we got that dean had like retired from hunting settled down and like him and bobby like they go back to the graveyard to put a flower down for sam or like do you know what i mean i feel like i would have appreciated that more than what we yeah, but also it's really difficult because, like, this is the reason why I always say that Gamble was put between a rock and a hard place with opening up season six. Like, do you see what I mean now? Yeah, it's... Like, <laughs> like, 
like I'm assuming the way you have to open up season six is to do something with Sam creepily lurking outside Lisa's house. Exactly. It's not really Dean's house, it's Lisa's house. Yeah, Dean's just living in it. Yeah. Like, She's everything and he's just kept. <laughs> but like, yeah. What is she what is she gonna do? Like, everything is kind of neatly wrapped up in a bow. They have to forcibly reopen it by having Sam not be in the cage. And then what? Like, there's no more plot. They finished the plot. As much as personally I don't think season six is exactly the highlight of Supernatural, I do cut it a bit of slack because I'm like, well, she had to motherfucking do something. And Kripke's gone. And he was the showrunner. He's no doubt of that, like God. (laughs) He was the showrunner for five years. This was his creation. And you're left with this ending and you've got to do something with it. And like, obviously, like, we'll get into season six and you can see if your opinion differs, but like, because as much as it's like where like this is not a really satisfying ending, it's still an ending. Yeah. Like it's like, very clearly an ending, particularly with the narration and with those pieces of dialogue yeah. from Chuck. Here's the thing. If this was like season six finale, I don't think it's inherently as underwhelming as it is as the season five finale. And I think that is because this plot line has been going for five fucking seasons. We got a mediocre fight scene in a graveyard Followed by them jumping into a hole. To be fair, they didn't even really fight. No. Sam just lifts his arms slightly. The wind catches his jacket like a kite. He starts to fall backwards with his hair flowing majestically. And then Adam, as Michael, goes, no! Tries to grab him. Sam grabs him instead. And whoops, we fell in together. Guess they're stuck in the get-along cage now. Oh my god, the motherfucking get-along cage. The get-along cage was a stupid idea! moment you said the get along cage i fully lied to you by the way in that in that episode or uh, an episode where we talked about the get along cage we were talking about like the get along shirt meme Mm -hmm. and i said like oh yeah like you know young john as michael no i was thinking of adam and sam i was fully thinking of adam and sam and i freaked out when i realized you didn't know about that yet and so then i had to be like wait oh yeah young john totally young john that's what i meant No, I was one a million percent thinking about this moment and dying a little on the inside. It was a stupid joke. I cannot highlight (laughs) this enough. It was a stupid fucking joke that I made along the lines of ghost family therapy. Like, same thing. Well, okay, here's the thing. I actually kind of like that aspect of it. I do. They didn't have a feasible way to kill Lucifer or Michael, mm. they just didn't. They tried killing them a bunch. It wasn't happening for them, right? They can just kill him like they kill Gabe. You we know. know how successful they are at killing him. Exactly. You know, like, it wasn't going to fucking happen. Or if it was, it was going to feel whack. And also, like, they would pretty much have to kill Sam because, we, as we know, Sam is stabbable, which means if they were going to kill Lucifer, they would kill Sam, right? Mm. By doing this, they take both Michael and Lucifer off the chessboard. They subvert the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And they're able to give Sam that moment of autonomy. And I think that that works out. And honestly, like that whole prophecy about like Dean being the one to defeat Lucifer, like him being the the vessel that matters, I think that still holds true. Yeah. Because if Dean hadn't showed up, this wouldn't have gone down this way. Dean is still pivotal in that prophecy. Mm -hmm. It's just not in the way that you expect it. The reason that Dean is pivotal in that way is because he didn't say yes to Michael. Like, I think the prophecy would still have held true if Dean said yes to Michael. I think it's kind of like an all roads lead to Rome. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like, it doesn't matter whether 
Dean is Michael or Dean is Dean, mm-hmm. the righteous man is still the one who defeats Lucifer. Yeah. Like, it doesn't doesn't matter if he's possessed by Michael. Like, if he's possessed by Michael, then Michael wins. That's Because it's about Dean. Yeah. It's not about Michael, it's about Dean. Because he is the main character. <laughs> yes. Oopsie doopsies. <laughs> one of the things that I do love is Dean, he is such a fucking little shit. And I love him so dearly like when he rocks up at the graveyard and we get the moment where like they hear the sound of the impala and then we get the shot of dean putting the tape deck in and it the song choice oh my good god i know that they were never gonna do it because it's supernatural not a crack fic but in that moment if it had been like dean possessed by gabe genuine like (laughs) like driving to like confront his brothers like iconic Literally, when he gets and he's like, oh, sorry, am I interrupting something? Like, <laughs> babe. Oh, my God. It confirms that Dean is Gabe-coded. Oh, thank you. It confirms thank you. it. It's like, no, no, no. Adam is Michael. Uh-huh. Sam is Lucy. Uh-huh. Wait, does this mean... So, so Gabe is dead. Rip, Gabe. R.I.P. Yeah. They're both stuck in the cage. Yeah. Does this mean the only archangel left is Raphael? Raphael, yeah. That feels like it's going to be a problem moving forward. You, you know what? I'm not going to comment on that, but it's, I am going to say it's probably worth keeping in mind. (laughs) Oh my fucking God. (laughs) Towards the end of the episode, when Dean asks Cass, like, what are you going to do now? He's like, oh, probably return to heaven with Michael Gordon. It'll be, you know, chaos up there. And Dean says, what, like, you're going to be the new sheriff in town. And he's like, yeah, I like that. They're not going to just do away with that. (laughs) One day I will say something on this fucking show. (laughs) <laughs> that isn't going to be psychic. <laughs> I was making a stupid fucking joke. Okay, I tell you what. Do you want to move into something that's that's not a joke? That makes me sad. Okay, can I, I want to make a point. I want to bring us back to Abandon All Hope. Okay. okay. A notoriously sad episode. Okay, while we're being sad, I just want to say, so sad that we didn't see Crowley this week. It is. I do miss the fact that, like, Mark Shepard isn't in the finale. Like, I recognise that he wasn't a character we got a lot of. He would have fit so well into the finale, and mm. I think he would have made it feel more like a finale. I would have liked to see him say farewell to Sam, like that moment where Sam's doing like the goodbye to Bobby, and it's so touching, and the hug gets me. Like the expression on Jim Beaver's face is so sad. Okay, I don't want I don't want him in any of the show, in any of the episode except for the moment where Dean is like saying goodbye, and you've got the Chuck narration being like. And Dean said goodbye forever. And you've just got Crowley there, right? And him and Bobby make out real quick to give Bobby his soul back. <laughs> like, it's just Sam and Dean having, like, a very, like, intense, like, you know, the moment where Sam's like, do you mind not watching me do this? And, like, in the background, like, Crobby is just going at it. <laughs> Cast, like, head tilt. <laughs> That's 100% what I want. I love it. Because I just want confirmation that, like, Bobby actually got his soul back. We don't really have confirmation on that. Mm. In this, in this episode. So theoretically, who fucking knows? I guess the deal was that, like, once Lucifer was taken care mm. of kind of thing. So maybe it automatically went back. But yeah, without Crowley actually confirming it, it's kind of hard to know. But anyway, the point that I wanted to make was that when Joe and Ellen die, you made the point of the fact that Ellen stayed with Joe because, you know, she didn't want Joe to die alone and she wanted to be with her. Mm-hmm. We talked about how John would never have done that for either of his children. Mm-hmm. And I said, but Dean would do it for Sam. Yeah. Because yeah. of this. Because Dean literally did it for Sam. Like, when it all came down to it, when everything was, 
you know, there was no hope left to turn it around. He was like, well, if we're all going to die anyway, I'm not going to let Sam die alone. I'm going to go and I'm going to be there. And it doesn't matter. Sam is in there somewhere and I need him to know that I wasn't going to let him do this alone. I wasn't going to let him die alone. And that breaks me every fucking time. Like, say what you want about the rest of the episode. Like, the fact that Dean was like, when Lucifer is beating him to shit and he's like, it's okay, Sammy. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. That destroys me. And he's not fighting back. Like, he's not doing it. He is just letting it happen. And he's like, I am not going to leave. Like, I am not going to leave you to do this alone. It's so (laughs) parent-coded. But, like, it's so against John. And it it reminds me so much. Like, getting Ellen and Joe in Abandonal Hope always makes me think of this moment. Because it's essentially the same thing of, I understand that you are doomed. But you don't have to be doomed by yourself. And I mean, to be fair, we have already seen this previously with Sam and Dean in Croatoan. Mm, Yeah. When they're 90% sure that Sam is infected and Dean refuses to leave him. Yeah. But I think in that episode, you could maybe argue that like Dean isn't leaving for his own sake because he has that whole speech where he's like, I'm tired, Sam. Like, Mm. I don't, I just don't care anymore. Like kind of thing. And it's very suicidal. In this episode, I think it's, feels at least to me more so that he is there for the sake of being there for Sam. It's less about being there for himself. Like he's not gone because he wants to die so much. Like he's gone because he doesn't want Sam to be alone. So it's like different motivations. Oh, I did have a theory and I think it's a theory that's never going to get confirmed. Oh, okay. But like what has hit me is I think I worked out the moment when Chuck becomes gone. Hmm. Okay. So... It, it reminded me of when Zacky Boy went and visited him. Mm. I reckon I reckon around then is when Chuck would come gone. Interesting. How come? Because that is when Chuck saw the ending. So I think Chuck has always been God, but like Anna when she had fallen from grace, didn't realize that he was God. You know, like when, when Anna went back and was... A, yeah. She didn't realize until shit started going down. I think Chuck has always been God, but that is the moment where he realized it. Like he windexed himself mm-hmm. to experience life as a human or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's the moment he like woke up to it. Mm-hmm. That's a fun theory, actually. You're right. It doesn't get confirmed. No. In, like, and it don't... also doesn't get disproven. No. Because I know that for a fact that you've said we never find out when Chuck actually become God. Yeah. And whether Chuck was always God or like what happened there. But like thoughts. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to make a quick point. Mm-hmm. In The Hammer of the Gods. I made a point that I did not like the makeup for Lucifer. I want to just say, like, this episode was better. It's the exact same concept. Like, it's the pale skin with the open wounds and stuff, but just for some reason, in this episode, is way more effective. Maybe even it's just, like, the lighting or something, Mm. you know, around it. So it's, like, it's not so much the makeup itself, but rather the fact... The way that the scene is... The way that the scene is lit highlights the makeup differently, mm, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There was less overhead lighting in this episode, so mm-hmm. maybe that's it. And we all know how people feel about overhead lighting. <laughs> Don't at Naomi like that. She doesn't listen, it's fine. Like, And she definitely doesn't listen these days, because she's not in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I wanted to talk to you about the fact that they really immediately went for draining people from the ceiling. Yeah. 
Like there was no fucking warm up to go into that. It was literally just like, Dean is talking to Sam and he's like, you know what? You're an overgrown man. <laughs> Actually, I did quite like that scene. Like Dean was really letting go of Sam as his like child and respecting his autonomy rather mm. than fighting him, which I think is really important. I think it's the kind of thing that John really should have motherfucking learned how to do mm. way earlier than this. And so it's nice to see that Dean is like surpassing that milestone of being able to recognize that Sam isn't a kid anymore and is entitled to making his own decisions, even if they're bad decisions. I mean, he's I do right to make them. Literally, have this note, the note this week. Sam, bad ideas, Winchester. Gonna lie to Lucy real quick. <laughs> oh my god, the way that Sam tries to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, like, babe. Actually, that happens. Literally so many times this episode. Like, Sam does it at the start. And then Cass throwing the fucking Molotov cocktail. And Lucifer being like, did you just do that? And Cass is like, uh, no. <laughs> like, what were you hoping for? And then Bobby shooting him. Lucifer turning around and Bobby just kind of shrugging. Like, guys, how do you think you're getting away with this? <laughs> you're doing it right in front of him. Oh, insane man doing insane things. No, this moment though, where Sam and Dean are having this discussion at the Impala, and Dean says, you know, looking out for you has kind of been my job. Then they really go from that to just people hung from the ceilings, all of their blood draining into jugs. Just your casual Tuesday. Just as you do, which, oh my God, way back when, before we even got the demon blood reveal, like the Sam drinking demon blood mm -hmm. reveal, this is when you were making your like demon blood protein shake jokes <laughs> way back yeah. when. I said to you, what, like drinking from like a three liter like milk jug or something. And this is what I was thinking about. <laughs> I do want to say though, that there has been another thing that I'm thinking of that's relevant to this scene that I do want to point out. Mm. We get the scene all the way back. I want to say Scarecrow, where Meg is draining them from the neck. And I'm like, that's not the most effective way to drain... A yeah. human. This is! Yeah. <laughs> they finally took my advice. <laughs> oh, and we also, speaking of references to other episodes, mm -hmm. we also get the the yes goes down in Detroit. Yes. And I've been saying Detroit, 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 Detroit. Thank I mean, fucking God it was actually relevant. Yeah. Well, I mean, the show itself has been saying Detroit for the whole time. And yeah. so what I do really like about this episode, as much as there, you know, is stuff that we're like, oh, this is kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. What I do like is that the prophecy does come to pass. Yeah. It's just subverted. You know, it's just not the way you initially interpreted mm. it. Because technically, the Michael Vessel does defeat Lucifer, mm -hmm. just not in the way you expect. With the power of love. With the power of love. Technically, you know, the yes goes down in Detroit. Mm. These things all happen. It's just that they don't happen in the way that anyone is expecting them mm. to. I do want to say another thing that irked me about this episode. We have the line from Sam, I let him out. It was Ruby and Lilith. And you really had nothing to do with it other than they played you like a fucking puppet to make it happen. Yeah. If anything, you could give Azazel credit. Azazel's grand plan, which I was fucking correct about. I thought it was going to be more extensive. I didn't think there were going to be more people but maybe like these are just like the demons that were still in those specific vessels. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Like we have the scene that Jamie's talking about is obviously the one where Sam has just been possessed mm -hmm. and Lucifer takes him to this random fucking, I don't know where they are. Like it's just a room. I don't know if maybe it's supposed to be like in Sam's mind or something, but like whatever it is, they, they go somewhere 
and you see the old teacher, the friend, and the prom date, and you get the reveal that, like, they were all demons. Like, they were all put there by Azazel, and they've all been manipulating Sam for as literally as long as he can remember. Mm -hmm. Like, and what actually I did like about that, like, sequence is I did like the broken mirror. I did quite like having that effect, and also I think that there's an interesting, like, meta-analysis point there of seeing the broken reflection, you know, and, like, having Mm -hmm. Lucifer looking into the mirror, like the the broken reflection and Sam looking back out. I do think that that was like a very fun concept. I also think the production of it was really good. Yeah. Like the editing of it, the effects of it, the set of it all was Mm -hmm. done really well. Yeah. The way that the, like the cracks in the mirror were orchestrated so that like the way that Sam's body like was duplicated and doesn't line Mm -hmm. up with itself. And like, I think that's really fun. Yeah, I love when shows play with mirrors and stuff. And this is a particularly effective use, I think. Oh, what we do get about this scene, though. First of all, we get Lucifer saying, I mean, you're a grapefruit. You can't lie to me. Mm -hmm. Which I do think is really interesting. Because, yeah, Sam is trying to be like, you don't know me. And he's like, I'm literally inside your head. Like, Sam. Not only is Sam trying to lie to Lucy, Mm -hmm. Sam is lying to himself. And Lucifer is aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I guess by default, so is Sam. Mm -hmm. Like, they both know what is happening here, you know. And then obviously, like, Lucifer turns around and kills all of the the people that had been possessed throughout Sam's life. And he makes Sam do it with his own hands. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, that's horribly traumatizing, actually, first Mm -hmm. of all, for Sam. You know, let's... Pop that in there. Sucks for him. Sam's having a bad day. Yeah. This episode could literally just be renamed Sam's bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, but <laughs> what I want to draw attention to is the fact that Lucifer has this little monologue he says to Sam. And he's like, you can't lie to me. You can't hide how you're really feeling. Like the exhilaration. Like we are two parts made whole. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say, they were a foster family at best, meaning like John and Dean and Bobby and, you know, that sort of extended family over there all those times you ran you weren't running away from them you were running towards me and the other thing that he says here is something that it's just like a little fun tidbit about sam that we have never learned up until this point you know we get at the beginning of the episode that lucifer says oh people always think the devil runs hot but the truth is i run really cold right Mm. which i think is a fun take i actually quite like that sort of subversion of that's why hell's so hot Yeah. He's like a lizard. Yeah, literally. Like, I quite enjoy that interpretation. I think it's very fun. I think it makes a lot of sense. But then he says to Sam, like, you remember how, like, hot you always were all the time? And I was like, when has Sam ever... Like, when is this... I was like, oh, okay, Sam is sweaty confirmed, I guess. Like, what... It feels like it's being pulled out of nowhere. I'm kind of like, okay, if we were gonna do this... Like, you knew this was coming, like, at least the last couple of episodes or something. You could have made a point of Sam, like, only wearing t-shirts or something. But no, he's always in at least three layers. He's got long hair, which does not help. Like, my bro? Okay, I guess. Sam's sweaty. Good to know. They make choices. One thing that I did love, though, is when we get the monologues that Chuck does. And he's talking about Sam and Dean, and he says... You know, oh, you know, every now and again, they got a day off or a week off. And, you know, they spent that time lining their pockets. And he says, Sam used to believe in good, honest work, but now he hustles Paul like his brother. And I'm like, so what I'm hearing is Sam is corruptible. Like, (laughs) 
What gets me though is that Chuck is theoretically ending, like he's writing the final novel in his book series, right? Mm-hmm. The last time we checked in with Chuck in his book series, he hadn't even written the fucking demon blood plot in. Yeah. So like, as much as it's like, oh, some plots in Supernatural come out of nowhere. <laughs> Imagine reading the books and being like, because like at at this point, Chuck can no longer leave the demon blood plotline out. I mean, I guess he can if he just doesn't mention the demon blood being drunk by the vessel at all. Like if he just leaves the part where Cass tells them out. But like, you're can you imagine you're reading the book and you're like, the fucking what now? They're doing what? Also, side note. Sam must have to pee like a motherfucker. That is so much liquid to drink in such a short amount of time. Like, liters. Like, I want to say... So how do we think demon blood goes through the kidneys? I guess it's like, how do you digest blood cells? Hang on a minute. (laughs) This is so... (laughs) Appropriate uh, tangents for the finale. Literally the season five finale. The most important episode we have covered today. Here is the thing, okay, is that... I know that red blood cells, like, have hemoglobin, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what binds to the oxygen. I know that they have that, and that is a protein. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, that's not the mass of the blood cells. So I want to know, like, what macronutrient are they? <laughs> wow, Google, why are you not helping me? I feel like it just doesn't really understand demon blood like we do. Anywho, point is... <laughs> Google doesn't seem to be helping me with that one. And frankly, we don't have the time to delve in any deeper. But for, for me, all I could think about as Sam was storming towards the high rise that Lucifer is in and mm. screaming into the sky, which everyone around them must have thought that they were lunatics, by the way. Mm. But like, he must have to pee so badly. Like, your bladder ain't that big. It can only get to 500 mils before you start being like, hmm, I should go to the bathroom. Much more than that, Neil will want a rupture, which means I have to assume that one of the first things Lucifer did after possessing Sam is fucking go to the bathroom. I have to But assume. I feel like angels don't have the same basic, like, human bodily functions that... Yeah, but their vessels... Do, do you know what? Like, because here's the thing. Angels don't normally eat. So, mm. like, they're not processing anything. They don't really have... Like, your body produces wastes just in, by virtue of functioning. But if you're not eating things like you're automatically producing less waste same goes for like liquids but sam's already consumed all that liquid it has to go somewhere (laughs) sorry i mean anyway i feel like lucifer's not really concerning himself with going to you think lucifer's letting sam's bladder just explode inside of him and then just fixing it i suppose well then all the pee's just floating around inside him to be fair mostly it's demon blood so because <laughs> but the thing is that after that like because he's not injecting the blood he's ingesting it which mm-hmm. means that it's being broken down into the like key components mm-hmm. right and so like proteins don't get filtered by your kidneys they're too big they stay in the bloodstream mm-hmm. right but like the vitamins and minerals they will go out into the filtrate and then be reabsorbed as necessary and i guess i need to know is it a vitamin or mineral in the demon blood that gives him the power? Or maybe, honestly, it, this is such a, it's not science. It's magic. <laughs> it's 
is what it is. There is no answer to this. I don't know why I'm torturing myself. No wonder Google doesn't motherfucking know. I wonder why Google doesn't have an answer about demon blood. Yeah, look, if we ever get to a supernatural convention, you better believe this is the question I'm asking. I don't care who I ask, but I need someone's opinion on this. Anyway, what I was going to say is that I think that it's interesting in this episode when Dean calls Chuck and asks, like, where's the prize fight going down? And Chuck says, oh, it's going down in this cemetery. And Dean's like, oh, that's like in Lawrence. Why the fuck would it be in Lawrence? And Chuck says, I guess it has to end where it all started. And I was like, oh my God, all for the sake of literary symmetry. But also the thing is, it didn't really start in Lawrence, Lawrence Kansas. Well, I guess it depends on how far back you're going. Yeah. Because John and Mary were in Lawrence. Yeah. So that's where Mary made the deal. But it wasn't in the fucking graveyard. No, it wasn't in the graveyard. Like, that's just for the drama of it all. That's so that it could have that single crow fly across the screen. I I get it. But I'm also like, I don't think that's where it started, though. Like, unless they're trying to tell us that, like, everything was created in Lawrence, Kansas first. Like... (laughs) That's actually the setting of the creation story in the Christian Bible is Lawrence, Kansas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Though I will say I am devastated that mine and Noah's predictions about Saturn did not come true. Mm. It's also absolutely emotionally devastating that they did not do high family therapy. I'm so sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. I know that that was something you guys were really, really keen about. We were so excited. We We were really liking our chances too. Okay. I want to talk about some things we got that were actually delightful. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. And first of all, every second that Castiel was on scene. Oh, yes. Every Every second. second. Mm -hmm. He is the light of my life. (laughs) And you say that as you're decoded. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. I talked before about how it breaks my heart, the Sam and Bobby goodbye, Mm -hmm. like little moment that they have. Oh, actually, one thing I forgot to touch on there. Bobby says, you know, like, get it done kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like make me proud sort of sentimentality and sam says yes sir weird moment i'm like bobby is not sir okay but here's the thing is i think that that's his version of yes dad Mm -hmm. because they called john like sir "Sir." and so i think that this moment is him oh yeah no i'm like i'm fully like oh no this is a touch like this is him being like no i respect you this isn't him recognizing Mm -hmm. bobby as his dad i really like it He's saying goodbye to his dad. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what's happening Mm -hmm. here. Which is why, you know, we get the sir, which is reminiscent of John. And also, Dean is in John's jacket again this episode. So, John is definitely present here. He's certainly the elephant in the room in some of these scenes. But what I did love is that he says goodbye to Bobby, and then he turns to Cass. And he's like, take care of these guys. And Cass is immediately like, Sam, that's not possible. (laughs) Sam's like, humor me. And he's like, oh, I'm supposed to lie. <laughs> sure, it'll be fine. And he like, is trying to grin and it's so fucking precious. He's so awkward and I love him. It's like, he's trying so hard. He's just trying to be reassuring. And unfortunately for him, reassuring is not something that comes naturally. No, it's really not. And then obviously we get the, hey, ass butt. Uh, something I've definitely heard. Iconic moment. <laughs> also, Misha notoriously can't throw things, Collins. <laughs> I just love the idea of like a holy fire Molotov cocktail. Right? Genius. 
Can you believe this is the one and only time we ever see this? Which is <laughs> such a waste. This is like when I look at this show and I think Jason Mendoza would have revolutionized the hunting community. <laughs> You're so right. I know. And then I think you said during the episode, and if we have it on the reaction, I'll, I'll pop it in here, but something along the lines of, I didn't have Castiel exploding in the finale on my bingo card. I think I'm like, I actually misspoke and said bucket list, which is objectively <laughs> incorrect. Bucket list implies it's something that I wanted, but like, I did mean bingo card. Oh, fuck. Imagine having a bucket list that had Castiel explodes. <laughs> Uh, I feel like this is, like, the first instance of, like, Cass is unkillable. This is not the first time that Cass has been brought back by God, specifically. No, it's not. But this feels like the first instance of Cass is unkillable. Just a smidge. Like, like you know, like, I feel like you, we've definitely had, you know, Cass is killed but then resurrected. But previously it felt more like, oh, no, the story called for it. Mm. This feels more like, no, we're going to piss some people off if we actually kill off Misha. Can you imagine if this was his legit ending? Can you imagine Castiel explodes and then he's never seen again? I feel like, like <laughs> as much as it's like, okay, I, I don't want Castiel to be exploded. I, I don't think this would ever be a legitimate ending. We all know that characters can only be killed by rebuff. I <laughs> Oh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Here's the thing. I hate that. <laughs> So jot that down. (laughs) But look, so yeah, so Cass explodes. Mm -hmm. Not much else to say there. No. I feel bad for Bobby, who was standing Mm -hmm. in the splash zone. And then Bobby dies pretty much immediately after that. What I think is kind of rude is that we do not get a Dean reaction to Cass exploding. No. But we do get a Dean reaction to Bobby's neck being snapped. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, valid. But we should have had a reaction for both. Like, one's his dad, one's his boyfriend. We need both. Exactly. And also, there's not even a, like, (gasps) moment. For Cass exploding. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that at least warrants a surprised inhale, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, oh, and then Cass comes back mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. Yeah. And we get the line from Dean where he says, Cass, are you God? And Cass says, that's a nice compliment, but no. And I find it so funny that he thinks that's a compliment. Because Cass very recently called God a son of a bitch mm-hmm. and like fully yelled at the sky and was being like, you suck. And you're like my shitty dad. Like, and now he's like, thank you for comparing me to my father. And I'm like, that's such a 180. Time to make Cass God. Mm, well, unfortunately for Dean, God likes him a lot less than Cass does. We do. But Cass is not God. Is, you okay. know, thank you, Cass, for confirming mm-hmm. the thing that no one but Dean thought. Mm-hmm. I do want to know, though. They had the, hey, guys, is your father home line. Yeah. I just want to say the answer to that on this show is always going to be no, no, because it's about the daddy issues, as attestified by the fact that we have three people here with daddy issues. Though they seem to forget, at the end of the episode, Dean's like, mm, no, my brother's in a cage. Brothers! Plural! Like, you've literally just seen both of your brothers <laughs> dive into this fucking cage! Here's the thing. This is why... Everyone jokes about how everyone forgets Adam because it's been 90 seconds. <laughs> and already Dean's like, I just watched my one singular related brother. <laughs> I, under- I understand that he's met he's met Adam like once. Like prior to this, he's met he's oh, actually like twice. Like, oh I suppose one. Once was Adam, wasn't even Adam. Adam Ghoul's version. Yeah. 
he's technically met his brother once. Mm. But still. Like, by you, technicality. You just watched him tackle your other brother into hell. And you said brother singular. I also feel like it's a bit of a whack moment for Dean to be like, I just saw my brother, like, you know, go into this to Cass, mm -hmm. who also just witnessed two of his brothers do, like, the same thing. Mm -hmm. They've just had the same experience. The only difference is Cass wasn't that close with his siblings. Mm -hmm. But, like... The fact that Dean will be like, how do you think I'm doing? I don't know, man. You just had, like, the same experience. Like, come on. They make choices in this episode. And I just think it is absolutely wild that the choice they made there was, oh, no, we're just going to have Dean completely forget that technically he had two brothers. Yeah. And, like, here's the thing. If Adam was no relation to them and just, like, a re like if he was a random vessel like Nick was. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. he does, But, like... Adam is his brother, and he has actually met Adam, his brother. If the only time we'd seen Adam prior to this point had been in, like, Jump the Shark, where we it's not even actually Adam. Like, it is the ghouls. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. But we have met Adam at this point. Yeah. I know. Everyone forgets about Adam. This is why that joke exists. Like, it took less than three minutes. And Dean's already forgotten about Adam. Yeah. Apparently, so has the writer. <laughs> it is wild. I know. Oh, I have another question. Mm -hmm. This is so relevant, but it's also kind of about blood relatives, so it's not entirely unrelated. When Sam is going to say yes to Lucifer and he's, like, giving them the reasons, like, oh, you know, we understand, like, you know, this is the way it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. He makes his, like, demands, I suppose, of Lucifer, and one of the things involves bringing their parents back. Wild thing to ask. <laughs> Why? What? Bro, you are literally about to hit go on the apocalypse. And you're like, do you know what I think would be a great idea? If my parents bear witness. To bring my parents back from theoretically their peaceful afterlife, if you want to argue where John is, like, you know, whatever. But, but like, also, like, there's no confirmation that even Mary's in heaven, so... Because Ash looked for her. Yeah, it's a bit up in the air, really, mm. at this point. But, like, the point is... Why would you want to bring John and Mary back? What are you bringing them back to? The end of the world. Like, why? Why would you He just do wants that? them to be proud of everything that he's accomplished. It just seems like a silly request to me, personally. Like, I get that it's like, oh, you know, we want to get our family back. And I, like, I understand that. But it just seems like a whack way to do it. Like, at this point, Mary I mean, has at been least dead. it's actually his family. Dean's like, I'm going to go to some random woman who I met, like, four times. <laughs> What I will say about that scene, though, is I am very, very fond of Jensen's acting. Mm -hmm. I think that he has mastered the art of closing your eyes at the right moments. Like, there's a couple of points in that scene where, like, he doesn't really react except for to close his eyes. And you can just feel the fuck, like, roll off of him. Like, the resignation. The resignation of we are so screwed. And, like the way that the ramifications of that are So you're on board him. with the jacking choices this week? Oh, I am always on board with the jacking choices. Yeah, like in this moment, it's so apparent that he's not just upset about how poorly this is going in the moment, but he is thinking about what this means. What it means for him, what it means for Sam, what it means for the planet. And then he's also basically swimming in John's leather jacket, which I just think is such an interesting choice from the the costume department and then the moment when lucifer has possessed sam and he disappears 
And Dean like puts his hands on his head and he turns around with the tears in his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's such a beautiful shot. And it's such a raw moment of emotion. Like by the time it cuts back to Dean, who's talking to Bobby and Cass, like outside of the room, he's clearly like pulled himself together a bit to be like, okay, now what do we do? Like, we've got to move on to the next part of the plan. But in that moment when it's first happened and he's just not coping, like he's reckoning with the fact that it's just gone to shit. That moment is so wonderfully portrayed and also gets gift a lot for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. As much as this finale was exactly what I predicted, not at all what I expected. As much as I was like, this is where it feels like they're going with this and like I predicted some really wild things to predict. I definitely felt that this episode would feel a lot more like final. Yeah. Like, like it felt, as much as it was like not really open-ended, it felt very like impermanent, if that makes sense. This episode is funny because it is a finale. It is a season finale. It is also a Kripke era finale, but it doesn't feel that final. And like this again comes back to the difficulty of balancing the fact that they were trying to close up everything satisfactorily and like finishing this narrative (laughs) while simultaneously opening one they never planned to have. And it just, it really comes back down to that. I feel like if they hadn't had a season six, I feel like this finale would have been different. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. we obviously wouldn't have had Sam at the end, like McLurkin, I suppose. Like, I mean, maybe we would have, but it would have been very confusing. Like, at least now, like, it doesn't make sense because you don't know what the plot is yet, but also, you know, there's more plot coming. So it's like, okay, this is where they're going with it. Whereas like, if this had just been the end of the series... And you just see Sam McLurkin. They're making choices. Yeah, it would just be like, okay, but why though? You know, Why are we implying that he's not stuck in the cage? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think that it just sort of suffers from this unfortunate situation of they were given two exactly opposite briefs, which is finalize everything and wrap it up and also open up brand new plot mm-hmm. for this next era of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. It it just doesn't feel very final. I think it doesn't help that we have multiple deaths that are pretty much immediately reversed. Mm-hmm. Like if this was the finale finale and they weren't going to go into season six, it makes me wonder if those deaths would have been permanent and Dean would have been the only survivor. In mm-hmm. which case, I do think him going to Lisa would have made a lot more sense. But the issue is it just doesn't because it's like, okay, well, he's he is straight up abandoning Bobby. Yeah. And then Cass is straight up like noping out of there and being like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Okay, I'm sorry, but the way that Dean saying you really suck at goodbyes has aged. Mm. <laughs> like, Do Jesus we think Christ. Cass heard that and then vowed next time it was going to be better and then the time after that was going to be better? And like, Jesus Christ. We actually, in that scene, get a quote from Cass where he says, you know, you got what you asked for, Dean. No paradise, no hell, just more of the same. I mean it, Dean. What would you rather have? Peace or freedom? And like that entire Mm. moment is undercut with the soundtrack that is Dean's theme. Okay. And also like that question, you know, what would you rather have, peace or freedom? That is going to be very, very relevant, especially going into the final seasons. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting that Cass poses him this question here because it is certainly something that we are going to reflect back on a lot. I I did actually note that one down, that quote, because I was like, peace or freedom, like, that feels like it's something that they're sort of setting up to be like 
answered in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, it is very much like The Matrix. It's red pill or the blue pill. Like, would you rather continue to live in oblivion or, you know, understand your surroundings but suffer? What What do you think? You're asking me? Would yeah. I rather have peace mm-hmm. or freedom? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good question. Like, the, the problem with it is it depends on what peace looks like. Like, am I in the Truman Show? Does basically nothing bad ever happen to me and I just live in oblivion? Do I feel like I'm making choices even though I'm not? Because that's another thing. If I feel like I'm making choices, then I don't even know that I, I'm not, you know? See, because I'm, like, I'm fully team peace. Like... <laughs> why choose to suffer? Why choose to suffer? Like, here's the thing. I feel like inherently you can't have peace if you don't feel like you're making your own choices. Yeah. So, like, the, the idea is peace or freedom. Like, you're not going to have true freedom. But I feel like you need to have at least some sort of sense of freedom to have peace. peace. Yeah, no, I agree. And also, the way that it's phrased implies that if you have freedom, you can never know peace. Mm. And that fucking sucks, man. Yeah. Like, fuck that shit. Like, Jesus. What was it KJ said the other day about, like, if I can't have Netflix and sleeping in on Saturdays, then I don't want to live in the apocalypse? Like, yeah. yeah vibe. <laughs> like, they are so valid for that. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is one of those things that... I think is it's a very philosophical kind of question. But when you think about it in a practical sense, it's like, like this is why The Matrix as a film franchise has never really appealed to me. Because if I was given the option, I would just continue to live in The Matrix. Yeah, like it's fine. Because why would I choose the alternative? It sounds horrible. And like you're giving me the option of just not knowing there's an alternative? That sounds great, man. What I do think is something that we have to touch on though, is Sam and his autonomy. Because like speaking of freedom, speaking of peace, regardless of, you know, the philosophical debates there, Sam in this episode gets the freedom to choose what he does. Mm -hmm. And that is such a big deal for Sam. Like, yes, it sucks where he ends up, obviously, He's literally caught in the get get along cage. He's literally in the cage. But is he? Well. Because he's going back to his favorite pastime of looking creepily through windows. He's lurking. When I originally made that joke. (laughs) Did you did you think of this? I actually didn't. I really didn't because I hadn't rewatched the finale in a while, and I actually thought that we got this scene in a later episode. So. Guess I don't have perfect memory. Rip. You're meant to be the expert here. Look, I can't be the expert mm. in literally every scene. But what I, I did want to talk about is, yeah, Sam getting his autonomy. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a big deal for him. And we talked a lot about it in the last couple of episodes and how it's just such a an overarching struggle mm-hmm. for Sam. And they highlight it again here in this episode. Like we had Brady, obviously, recently. But now we have... That it wasn't just Brady, it was also his primary school teacher and it was his prom date and it was his friend and it was it was all orchestrated around him. And in this moment, he got to choose. I feel like it's not going to hold though. Yeah. I, I feel like as much as like, yes, he had autonomy in this one moment. I feel like the way they're setting it up, like I don't think it's necessarily Sam lurking outside Dean and Lisa's. Oh, okay. I mean, this is getting into the territory mm. of me asking you what you think is happening next. But, like, do you want to go there now or do you want to... Like, here's the thing. There is always the possibility that it's Sam and he's gotten out. But, like, also the implication is, like, if Sam gets out the cage, Lucy also gets out the cage. Mm. And, like, I know, based on future things that I know, 
that Lucy doesn't necessarily stay in the cage. Okay, okay. Because I know for a fact that Lucifer does make an appearance in later seasons. And I don't think they're going down to, like, visit. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like they're not going down to have, like, tea and crumpets with Lucy. Like, <laughs> if they were, they might remember they had another brother. <laughs> I feel like if Sam's out, then Lucifer's out. And then if Lucifer's out and... Like, if Sam's out and Lucifer's out, there's always the possibility that, like, Lucy's still got Sam. You know, like, that it's it's not actually Sam, but it is, in fact, still Lucifer. Okay. I guess it really just depends on why they're not in the cage. And whether it's they were in the cage and they got out, or if they managed to avoid going in the cage at all. Oh, okay. So they just fell into a pit, but then the, like, cage door wasn't actually open. It was just, like, they fell on top of it, and then they were like, well... No, the cage was open, right? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. But Michael got slightly ahead of them. And so they shoved Michael in, shut the door. Uh, so it's just Michael and Adam in the cage now. Huh. And like Lucifer just like came back up via the root of hell? Yeah. Interesting. Because I think it's different. Like if that's what's happened and like Lucifer was never in the cage, I feel like we can pretty well guarantee that he's still possessing Sam. Okay. You know what I mean? Like whether he is in full control or not, He's still possessing Sam. He's still in there somewhere. He's still in there somewhere. Like, I don't think at any point in this, like, Lucy and Sam would have gone their separate ways. Whereas if, like, they escaped from the cage, Mm. like, there's a chance that the process of escaping from the cage... Separated them? Separated them. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Like, some of the magic or the voodoo or something that happened to get them out of the cage. Got you. Mm. I can't really elaborate on any of this because obviously I know exactly what happened. And how they got out the cage. <laughs> and how, you know, how it all went down. Mm-hmm. So I can't really speak to any of that. What I will say, though, is I'm very excited to hear about your theories going forward. I also realized that I forgot to make a note about the scene where they go into the cage. One of them is that, you know those gifs where it says like blow on your screen and three two and you blow on the screen normally the cow hair normally the cow hair one but every now and again you get a sam winchester lifting his arms and his jacket flying back and him falling into the pit and that's Mm. quite funny because (laughs) what is hilarious though is the fact that i fucking predicted that (laughs) the fact that you kept just telling dean to shove him in (laughs) we'll roll the clip there of Beth being like, you're so mean, and I'm just going to push him in. Just push him in. What I will say, though, mm. is I said in our, like, pre-thoughts for this episode episode with Noah, I was like, they're going to have a mediocre fight scene. <laughs> and they did. They just spoke at each other, and mm. then Adam kind of tripped and fell. Exactly. Like, here's the thing. I really can't fully elaborate on the mediocreness of the archangel battle i like we'll get there eventually like we have there are more mediocre fight scenes to come we have such mediocre fight sequences to do with angels through the series and like this one's up there but it's not the worst one and i want to be clear (laughs) i'm specifically talking about the michael lucifer fight i think the scene where like Sam is beating up Dean Mm -hmm. is way more impactful. Oh, yeah. That is quite impactful. But then you have the juxtaposition of, like, this really impactful scene of, like, Jensen giving the performance of his life, even though the makeup department has done him so dirty. (laughs) And you can barely see his expressions through the prosthetics on his face and all of the fucking blood. And don't get me wrong, I understand why they were necessary. 
but oh my god, that's a lot of like fake injury makeup. Yeah, the fact that you can still see Jensen's like acting through it, testament to his abilities. (laughs) Absolutely fucking astounding. Mm -hmm. But then you go from that to the immediately so, like it's not even a fight scene. It's, do you know what it reminds me of every fucking time? Because they're like circling each other. Yeah. It reminds me of like old Western films and that music that's like do, do, do. I'm like, I feel like they're about to do the, like, the draw their pistols and, yeah. like, whatever. The only thing that's missing is the hats, mm-hmm. obviously, yeah. and, like, the boot spurs. And they just kind of have, like, a, a conversation. And it's the thing is that I really actually like the symbolism between, like, Dean and Michael being, like, the perfect idyllic sons, for, you know, for their fathers or whatever, and Sam and Lucifer being, like, the ones who mm-hmm. rebelled. I really like that. But I do feel like they have pointed it out so many times at this point that having this discussion in the finale... I was a good son. I'm a good son and I have my orders. And then we were together and we were happy, but you betrayed us and you made my father leave. And then, you know, Sam was loose for being like, no one makes him do anything. I'm like, I understand the parallels you're drawing here. And I usually appreciate them. However, this would have so much more impact if we hadn't already seen this exact thing play out at least three times. Like, we get it. It just doesn't carry the weight. Mm Mm-hmm that you'd want it to because Mm -hmm. this is supposed to be it this is supposed to be that moment where you go oh my god michael and dean and sam and lucifer but we've already had that and so why they're bringing it up again i think it really adds to that overall feeling of like monotony Mm -hmm. because it's not only that they're quote-unquote battling it out but it's literally just them having like a relatively pleasant conversation in a field It's also that it's like they're also having a relatively pleasant conversation in a field about something they've already talked about like four times. And like, sure, not these two characters specifically. But like, even Gabe has fucking pointed it out at this point. Also, the fucking slow-mo of their faces as they're fallen in the cage is really funny. Like, Jake Abel, as he's like falling forward, (laughs) it's just so funny. One thing I did really like, though, and I genuinely really like this. I don't know if you're going to agree with me, but mm. I don't really care. I don't often agree yeah. with you, so <laughs> it won't be anything new. The montage where it's, like, flashing really rapidly through, like, mm. all of the memories, all of the flashbacks, all of the scenes from, like, the pilot and the first few seasons, you know, and Sam, it's, like, it's sort of like this rushing wind noise that you get, mm. and then all of a sudden it just goes dead silent with the hug. That montage into that silent last moment i love it it always sucks me in and like the silence right at the end always hits really hard because it's like the absence of everything else it's like the calm in the center of the storm like there's so much shit going on and then it's like you remember that like no at the end of the day in the middle of it all this is what it's about it is about family and it's about love and about connection and about how that is bigger than the noise of everything else. And I do love that. Oh, I just want to say, like, the Green Pooler was not a character I was expecting to make an appearance <laughs> this episode, but, like, it was significant. They really made a point of it. And also, like, drawing back to, like, beer theory, mm-hmm. I didn't stop the episode to double-check, but I'm fairly certain that the beer they're drinking here is the one that's associated with, like, family and, like, bonding mm-hmm. moments because it's the one that is named after... Uh, some of the writers and producers, like Mother, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I'm drawing a blank on exactly who, but if you want to look it up, like it, it should pop up Be relatively theory. easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Though I just want to say, I, I've been calling it the green cooler because I know that's what like the fandom at large it's calls it. It's a fucking esky. It's an esky. Every time I say cooler, it feels wrong, it but I'm like, they it. won't know what, if I say the green esky, they won't know what I'm fucking talking about. It's also weird seeing an esky that isn't blue. Mm-hmm. Like, is it just me? Yeah. Because eskies are notoriously blue, maybe blue and white, mm-hmm. but yeah. never green. No. It's wild. I just also want to say, though, the demon blood jugs. Yeah. They were a choice and a half, <laughs> and I feel like Sets had way too much fun making them. <laughs> Do you reckon he used a straw? A silly straw. A silly straw. <laughs> What gets me though is no like, sustainable straw. You know he's using yeah. like silicon or metal or something. Like <laughs> Sam's like, I may be out to house the devil, but I'll be damned before I use a single-use plastic straw. <laughs> I know the implication is that some like time has passed, but the way it's edited doesn't really imply that super great. So no. it feels like he's just chugged all of that in like 0.2 seconds. Right? Like right. What I do think is funny is like theoretically, like it did take time, which like what was Bobby, Dean, and Cass? doing in that time but they just sort of standing there like drawing stuff in the dirt with their toes like no. while they listen to sam literally glugging down <laughs> in the background <laughs> like you know the sound that a water fountain makes <laughs> is it like bubbles oh i have something to point out now the montage of sam and Zena's kids like in the impala it's lovely we mentioned it before like it's very you know sentimental and stuff it's like the sepia tones like mm-hmm. we get it Part of that montage is something that becomes quite significant, which is the etching of their initials into the board. I think, and we can roll the tapes on this one, I think I literally said, oh, that's where that is. Yeah. Like, it's something that is, like, relatively well-known in fandom. This is not the last time it crops Mm -hmm. up. It was almost an element of our logo. Yeah, you're right. It almost was. It's in one of the drafts. Kudos to Naomi. It's something that's quite significant. What I want to know, though, is did they intend to imply that John left the two tiny children alone with the big knives because they're very young here and there's no John like can you imagine John willingly letting them do this no which means that they have just accessed these knives and and I've had enough time alone with them to have time to pull back the cover and etch their names in they're so small that's neglect that's neglect. I also want to say, though, the part of this that John would not be happy with is not his sons playing with knives. It is them making any sort of damage to the Impala. Yeah, I know. It's literally insane. But I don't think I've ever, like, really thought about it before watching this episode. I've always been kind of swept up in the, like, emotions of it all. But literally today I was like, why the fuck do those tiny babies have those giant knives? They look younger than in fucking A Very Supernatural Christmas. They look younger than in Something Wicked. But clearly they're old enough to know Mm. the alphabet. So, hmm. Mm. Who knows? Next you go. Mm. They've clearly been staying with Bobby recently Mm. because we know John's not teaching them the fucking alphabet. We do get the line here, which is, again, next you go. Hmm. Hmm. Ain't he a little angel? I know. I mean, the reply, angels don't sleep, is valid. Valid. (laughs) But, like, ain't he a little angel? I know. And, like, I get that it's, like, a phrase. And And it's it's a joke. It's a joke and it's a play on words. But it's also, like, Dean literally looked in the rearview mirror and went, oh, Cass is so cute right now. (laughs) Oh, also in that moment, Sam says about Lucifer, he's like, I'm sure he knows a buttload that we don't. And it is so refreshing to get some Mm self-awareness from Sam. We so rarely see it. He really actually acknowledged the fact that, no, they're kind of up. And also we got lots of um, red lighting from 
around Sam again in this episode, uh, particularly when they go to see Lucifer. There's a big mm. red lamp, which I think is interesting because it's a lamp, but it's red. So it's mm. like, Lucifer. Evil Cass? Evil. Cass has God. <laughs> no, it's just, I think it's just a red lamp because it's the devil and it's a lamp. <laughs> Cass is lamp. Not you and Noah being like, evil Bobby. Now it's fucking evil God Cass. Like, all right. <laughs> It's interesting because, yeah, we do actually then at the, the end scene, the, you know, Sam's creepy lurking scene, mm. the street lamp is kind of reddish tinted. Mm. And it explodes. And then it explodes. Which is angel coded. Which is angel coded. So it's like, is he possessed? Is he not possessed? Like, It's interesting as well because street lamps surrounding angels are often representative of halos. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if it is like a Lucifer reference, then it is like the absence of a halo, like it's like, mm-hmm. or the brutalization, I suppose, of yeah. a halo or the symbolism of, of angelhood. Mm-hmm. Although, honestly, like, it's also very much like a cast thing because, like, even in Lazarus Rising, like, he makes all the fucking lights mm-hmm. explode. So it's also like, it's just kind of an angel thing. And I suppose it's open for like artistic interpretation in that moment. Well, to be fair, we know nothing about no. what's happening there. We just know that Sam is back to his number one move. Working. Outside the windows. Speaking of the moment when Dean goes back to Lisa, he like knocks on the door, she opens it up and she says, thank God. And I'm like, <sighs> this bullshit truly never ceases. <laughs> it's mm. like, I guess. What gets me though is from what I know, like at this point, the fandom was, incredibly hostile to anybody even slightly looking like a love interest for Dean. Bearing in mind, I was not an active part of the fandom at this point because I was, wasn't watching the show, I was too young. But what I have learned from the fandom lore since I've been more involved is that generally speaking throughout the earlier seasons, at least up through like, God, I'd honestly like through most of it, fandom's opinion on any female character was pretty low. It's like, People hated Red Sky at Morning, but they hated it because they didn't like Bella. But Bella's iconic. Yeah, right. And Bella's you know? also not after the man. But, like, also, like, you know, you know a bit about Charlie as a mm. character coming yeah. up. People hated Charlie before they'd even had her first episode. All they saw was that there was an ad that Felicia Day was going to be in the episode. Yeah. The, the immediate assumption was that she was going to be an introduced love interest for, I think, Dean was the, the theory. And... Everyone decided, and I, look, I'm using broad strokes here, but, mm-hmm. you know, the fandom decided that they didn't like her before they'd even seen the episode because the assumption was if she was being brought in, it, she was being brought in as a love interest and people just didn't want it. And I will tell you, I don't feel bad telling you at this point, people have opinions on Lisa. I like Lisa. Yeah, I'm team Lisa. I don't like what they're doing with Lisa. I Yes, thank you. I agree. <laughs> Lisa is better than this. Yes, why is Lisa getting dragged into Dean's bullshit? I, genuinely. From what I can tell, Lisa has surprisingly few daddy issues. <laughs> the thing is, people didn't like Lisa because they didn't like any female characters, it seems, or they didn't like any love interests coming between any of the male relationships in the show. The thing that frustrates me about Lisa is not her as a character, but rather the situation she gets put in. Because Dean doesn't go to her because he wants her. Dean goes to her because he wants what she represents and because Sam told him to. Because he is, he is going to honor Sam's memory. And she deserves better than that. Like, she is a babe. She deserves everything. She's a whole ass fucking person. Yeah. And she deserves more respect than to just be... Like, Dean is literally using her as, like, a way to somehow honor Sam's memory. And that's so fucked up. 
Mm-hmm. Like, she is a whole ass person who deserves more than that. And I'm not saying that Dean treats her badly. Like, we'll see no. as we get into the next season what happens with Dean and Lisa. I just think that the motivation for him going to her is just not cool. It's selfish. It's not in Lisa's best interest. No. None of what Dean has done for Lisa has been in her best interest. When he sees her and the kids are all right, like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when he goes back to see them again, you know, a few episodes ago, and now he's coming back to her now, like... None of that is in her best interest. No. And none of or it Ben's, is a, for that matter. And none of it is about her. No. It's all about him and is undealt with fucking grief and daddy issues. And that sucks because we hate to see women having to be a man's therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all know I love Dean. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. But baby boy has some issues. And like, this ain't gonna solve them. I also have a question. Okay. Yep. The timeline from when Sam jumps into the pit to when the episode ends. Unclear. Very unclear. Just based Is it the same day? Based on <laughs> based on the editing, it feels like the same day. Right. It's like Sam jumps into the pit, he goes, he says goodbye to Bobby, he's then driving to Lisa's. That's when he has the conversation in the car with Cass. Mm-hmm. He then arrives at Lisa's. She, like, gives him the hug, invites him in for dinner, and then Sam's outside lurking in the street. Like, this, right. That feels like one sequence, like one 12-hour span, yes. right? So, Dean just watches Sam literally sacrifice himself, and Adam sacrifice himself. He witnesses Bobby and Cass both die and both be resurrected, and he gets the shit beat out of him and gets magically healed. And then he goes and has dinner with Lisa, and he's just eating a bread roll like it ain't no biggie. Do we think, we we know, (laughs) like I know we make jokes about repression, boy, but this is something else. This is next level, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to ask is we know that when Cass zaps him somewhere, right, (laughs) he doesn't shit for two weeks. Yeah. What happens when Cass zaps him healed? That's such a good question. Does it have the same impact? Like, is it about the, the movement or the magic? Here's the thing. I would suggest... That if he's doing a full body healing, mm. he's clearing up any constipation. So I'm Do we think, though, that no. he healed the handprint? Oh, my God. Maybe. Here is the thing. Or do we think the that Cass is a possessive bastard? I think he's a possessive bastard. But the thing is about the handprint is that it disappears. It should not. It shouldn't disappear. It absolutely should have stayed. That was a deep motherfucking scar. However, if we want to choose to believe that this is the moment the scar got healed... I would accept that because he is doing a pretty dramatic full body healing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we have seen Cass do a healing that dramatic on Mm -hmm. Dean before. I might be misremembering that. But if he's like healing, because presumably like Dean's got like broken ribs and shit by the point that Cass heals him. Like he's beaten up pretty bad. Like his face is messed up. Yeah. Like I'm assuming at least a few broken bones already. But it's also kind of like, okay, so how far does that go? Does Cass wipe off the carvings on his ribs? We assume not. You Presumably. Know? So it's like he's selectively healing. It seems whack that the handprint disappears. But like, I honestly think that if this is where we want to say this is where the handprint got healed, mm-hmm. you know, all right. Cass is distracted. Yeah. I can understand him accidentally. accidentally. forgot to leave it on there. He yeah. figures he's already got the rib carving. That's enough dibs. <laughs> Anyway, did you have any other points about I the episode? I had one more point. Okay. It's not a big point. I just want to point it out. Uh-huh. There is a special effects moment in this episode that I think is bad. Is it the cage opening? No. Oh. I didn't think it was good, but I did. Like, for it's, me. It's aged, but, like, not horribly. Yeah. Yeah. 
what got me though is you have the scene where it, like he takes out the two demons and it's like they have a yellow spot on their foot. When Sam does it? Yeah. And I, then they just drop. I don't think I noticed that. They like, have, like, I don't believe you. They have like a glowing orangey yellow spot on their forehead. Oh, and then they, they just got stabbed drop. in the head? But no. Huh. It's just like a spot. I swear to God, I might be going insane. But like, <laughs> You're like, I have watched all five seasons of Kripke era of Supernatural. Yeah. My psyche is hanging by a thread. <laughs> but like, they have no other special effects to say that like, Sam is, you know. Yeah. Which, considering every other time he's done that, it's been like dramatic, like smoke. The smoke. And... I think maybe it's just the volume, like the sheer amount of power coursing mm-hmm. through him at the second. Because he just basically blinks and they're like toast. Yeah. He blinks, they have a yellow spot in their toes. It's weird. It's a weird choice. Yeah, look, I honestly didn't notice, but I believe you. Okay. I'll believe you. You know what's so funny about that, though? What? You may believe me now, but given the amount you gaslight me. Hey! I don't know, Jamie. I only gaslight you when it's essential. And unfortunately, it's essential a lot. No non-essential gaslighting here. I will say though, I am so fucking excited to be on Queering Things with Noah to talk about this. I think you guys are going to have a delightful time. You'll get to finish your fanfic space escapade. Space AU. Yeah. I think I'm done. Okay. I'm also tapped out. I have no other notes. Okay. One thing that I will say here is that as much as this is like the finale of Kripke era... I personally think that there are much stronger finales within the show. Mm -hmm. Not obviously the finale finale. We all know how I feel about that. But other season finales, I do think are stronger than Mm -hmm. this one. I don't think that that would be an uncommon opinion. I could be wrong. I know that a lot of people really love Kripke. And I do. I really enjoy Kripke, particularly the last two seasons of it. Four Mm -hmm. and five are some of my favorites in the show. But I do think that the finale is relatively lackluster. And I think there are reasons for Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. I hope that if this is a finale that you love and adore, you've still managed to enjoy this episode. Because don't get me wrong, there are good things in it. Mm -hmm. But it's just, there's also a lot of things that I think, for whatever reason, whether it be circumstantial or just poor execution or however, whatever, it's fine. I think if this had been the season finale for a plotline that had run for one season, it would have been inherently more satisfying. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of my inherent issues to this finale are not actually about the finale. No. They're about the fact that we've had five seasons building to this. Five fucking seasons, and this is what they gave me. And especially the last two seasons, we've been hyping up this prize fight. Mm-hmm. A fight that doesn't even happen. No. And, like, the bear... A strong gust of wind. <laughs> the gust of wind with Zachariah saying, fuck you one last time. <laughs> A ghost could have shoved Sam in. Maybe the ghost of John shoved Sam in. And Adam for good measure, you know? Like, who fucking knows at this point? Might as well just say it's own multiple sons at this point. But, like, they essentially fell into the cage. And it does feel a little underwhelming. And I say that as someone who adores Kripke Era. Mm-hmm. And I say that as someone who thinks that there are parts of this episode that are fantastic, yeah. but there are other parts that are just and like, kind of, ugh. I am glad that as much as there were no, like, moments where I felt like, oh my god, the tension, like, I could never have seen this coming, but, like, it makes perfect sense. Like as, sad, like, as much as it's, like, I'm sad there are no moments like that, I am glad that they did, in fact, go with a plot line that did make sense. Yeah. Like, I am glad that this ending does, in fact, make sense, at least in, the terms of the logistics. It makes sense that they, you know, they did manage to successfully use the rings to trap them in the cage again. What is nice, and I've said this to you a lot, 
But what is nice about Kripke era is that you can go back through any of the seasons. And now knowing that this is how it wraps up, you can watch any episode just about and see how it connects. You can see the little bits of conversation that start really sowing those seeds of Michael and Lucifer in Sam Mm. and Dean's personalities. You can see the way that they are being lined up for this. You can go back and retroactively understand, oh, this was always going to happen this way. Mm. It is really, really interesting. And I think it does add to the retrospective value, but it does feel a little underwhelming. On that note, how would you rate season five, episode 22, Swan Song out of five? I'm very interested. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. This is a safe space. It's a subjective. People are well entitled to their opinions. If people love this episode, that is so valid. People hate this episode. That's also valid. I think this episode is fine. That's also valid. My gut feeling is to give it a three out of five. Honestly, I don't hate that. Like, I'd maybe give it a 3.5 just because I quite enjoy the like Chuck montage moments mm -hmm. and like that last bit where it's like the rushing wind noise montage with Mm -hmm. Ends on the Silent. Like, Jensen's acting like I think. This show really loves to do montage season finales, don't they? You have no idea. I feel mean. I'm like, this is this is an episode that people have been like so excited for me to see. I my my problem is not with how the plot laid out. My problem is not with like it's not with any individual thing. It's just the totality of it is so thoroughly underwhelming. I think that what this finale relies on is an emotional connection with the characters. Mm-hmm. Because that is where the ma- major beats come from in mm-hmm. this episode. That's where they're going to hit you in the heart and like tear at those heartstrings is when you've got those montages, is when you see Dean realize that he's lost Sam. It's when you have the moment of Sam resting control from Lucifer. Mm-hmm. It's the goodbye from Bobby. It's all of those moments. They rely on you being invested in the characters. Because like we said, the plot itself highly predictable if you're really looking Mm -hmm. for it you can see the narrative threads you can understand logically Mm -hmm. this is the story they're telling and you can predict it you have proven that yes right i did in fact predict it i feel like i i that counts as a win yes we did we really glossed over that but yes you fully predicted this the thing is that that is so fine because the part that is really supposed to be engaging the audience is not necessarily the plot of it because they've told us the plot. Mm-hmm. What is supposed to be engaging us is that emotional value. Yeah. For you, you don't really emotionally connect with these no. characters. So it's going to be lackluster for you. Mm-hmm. For me, I think the first time I watched this episode, it was way more impactful. Mm-hmm. As I watch it more and more, like as I've rewatched the show with various people or just in my own time, I find it less so. And I think that's because the more I watch it, the more... I'm removed from the immediate emotional impact of it, and I'm more closely looking at the actual production. Mm -hmm. And for me, the actual production of this episode is lacking in terms of how I feel the pacing goes, in terms of, you know, some of the the editing, like at the Mm -hmm. end, like it feels like it's been 12 hours and like that feels I feel like it's meant to have been longer, but it doesn't feel like longer. Yeah, you know, and there are certainly episodes prior to this that have felt more polished Mm -hmm. and more engaging for the entirety of the episode like you said like the pacing of this season feels like it was abruptly cut off last Mm -hmm. episode and i feel like there are whole sequences because there are long scenes in this episode there are scenes that last minutes a lot of it is monologuing really because it's like sam and lucifer but it's all jared yeah and so it feels like just a really long monologue Mm -hmm. 
even though it it shouldn't. And so I think some of it comes down to like me, I've rewatched it so many times that it just doesn't hit the same. And for you, it was never going to hit that way because you just don't care as much. And I think like the the other thing is like I can see like some really small ways that like some tiny things that they could have changed that I think would have made it hit harder. Mm. Like I think one of the things I would have found really fascinating and I would have thought made it hit harder if instead of being like that thing of a strong gust of wind <laughs> blows them into the cave. A strong gust of wind is actually what saved the world. Yeah. Nothing to do with any of the rest of them. No, but like if if it had been in that moment where it was like Michael forgiving his brother and going to give him a hug and it's like yeah, in that moment like Lucifer then betrays Michael and drags them both into the cage. Mm-hmm. Fascinating choice. Or Michael at the last moment deciding to sacrifice himself. Yeah. And dragging Lucifer in. Like, yeah. Or being unclear who did what. Yeah. Like, but it's like this moment of forgiveness then inspired by betrayal. Like, yeah. Imagine that Dean doesn't get through to Sam, but instead gets through to Adam. But instead, we, yeah, we get a strong gust of wind. The real hero of the story. Mm -hmm. Air pressure systems. (laughs) No, it was a hellhound. Oh my God, you're right. Crowley's hellhound yeah. pushed Sam into the cave. Yeah. Head cannon accepted. <laughs> Crowley was in this episode. Yeah. He was hiding behind a gravestone in the distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Immediately makes it better. <laughs> Alrighty. So the next episode, first episode of Gamble Era, first mm-hmm. episode of season six, is going to be Exile on Main Street. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, hopes, dreams, fears, or predictions? Well, I'm assuming they have to try and open this up somehow. Mm. So I'm I'm assuming whether we get all of the answers for, like, why Sam's lurking or, like, just an indication that Sam's not, in fact, in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm not sure what we're going to get. Like, I think it might be really interesting if we get, like, this sort of thing of, like, the question of, like, oh, Sam's back. Is that, like, a good thing or a bad thing? Yay, Sam is back. Is it Sam? Is it Sam? Mm-hmm. Is it just Sam mm-hmm. or is it Lucifer only? Yeah. Like has Lucifer managed to yeet Sam out of the vessel? Yeah. So it's going to be like one of the three. Either it's just Sam, mm-hmm. just Lucifer or both of them still. Yeah. Like, and what, comp- like re- who is it? Yeah. And if it's both of them, like who's in charge? Like, cause that's also a thing. And like, if it is both of them and Lucifer's in charge, is Lucifer acting as himself or is Lucifer trying to convince people he's Sam? Exactly. Like, Mm-hmm. There are so many possibilities just in, in that. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, I'm not yaying or naying any of it from what you know and from what this shows us. Like, theoretically, yeah, it's got to be one of those three possibilities. What would be interesting, though, is if they decide to parallel the pilot mm-hmm. and have, like, you know, Dean's living the apple pie life. And Sam comes to get him. And Sam comes to get him. Obviously, they can't do John's missing, but they could do, like, Bobby's missing. Bobby's missing. And Dean wouldn't motherfucking know, would he? No. Because he doesn't see him for a while. Anywho, do we think that Cass is going to be in next week's episode? No. No? No. Spice Part of my Sarah, Sarah Gamble Longcon <laughs> is that she doesn't really like Cass. So I think if she can avoid having Cass in an episode, she's going to avoid having Cass in an episode. I also think the way they've set it up is it's like, oh, wow, Castiel's storyline, it's come full circle. He rebelled against heaven and now he's going back. So, like, we're just going to assume he's back in heaven Okay. for a he's while. He's just, like, doing shit. And that's why you don't like the start of season six so much, because Cass isn't there. I mean, that is a valid thought process, honestly. Because I've been pretty strong in the camp of the best moments of Supernatural are the moments when Cass is on screen. <laughs> so, 
And what, you've already. What are you thinking for the next episode? By the way, because we kind of got you. You theorized about Sam, mm-hmm. but that's not the episode. That's just. So one I feel like you have to kind of like. You're either picking up kind of like straight away mm-hmm. or after a time jump. Regardless of whether it's straight away or after a time jump, I think you're going to see like Dean and Lisa and like the domestic bliss, quote unquote. And something's going to have to drag him back in. Maybe Crowley drags him back in. Maybe Crowley's heard like whisperings that like Sam's back. And so like they're. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because Crowley and Hell and yeah. Sam is theoretically supposed to be there. So yeah. if Sam's not there, Crowley would know about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. Brings us to the end of this week's episode. What a wild ride it's been. I can't believe we're a third of the way through this stupid fucking show. Did you ever think we'd make it this far? I honestly thought we were going to quit after the pilot. (laughs) I thought we were going to record like one episode (laughs) and then it was going to get too hard to schedule and we'd never record again. And here we are, two years, over a hundred episodes, a whole bunch of new friends. And so much psychic trauma <laughs> for both of us. Who'd have thunk? Anyway, hopefully you have all enjoyed listening as much as we have enjoyed talking about this week's episode. If you wanted to get in touch with us, all of our links and bits are in the show notes and topics for conversation could include literally anything about Kripke era. Celebrate with me about just the sheer number of things I managed to get correct about this fucking finale. Your psyche knows no fucking bounds. I kid you not. The shit that you have said to me in the last two years. When I pitched this podcast, I never expected that. Like, I never expected you to say some of the things you've said with the speed and accuracy that you have said that like there are things that you've said that are going to come to pass Mm -hmm. that you have no idea anywho thank you so very much for listening and hopefully we have you back next week for our season five final thoughts and wrap up going into season six we are also planning a whole bunch of fun bonus episodes with a whole bunch of people from other podcasts so we are doing some collabs with people from Raising Perdition, from Queering Things, from Supernatural Opinions. So everyone is going to be here. It's going to be a delightful time. Hopefully you enjoy all of those bonuses as well before we get into Gamble Era. I feel like, it's like I know that we keep going, but it's like, it also kind of feels like the end. It's like, it's not the end. We've got 10 more seasons to go. No, but we're at the end of his vision. Now we're heading out into the wild, wild west. The wild, wild west. Dean would love that. I bet there's cowboys there. <laughs> Sometimes you say things. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Oh, boy.